Hey, welcome to the Learning to Lead podcast. I'm Paul Doherty, your host, and I am joined with my friend, Dominic Russo, the so leader. Hey, we're so glad you're here. And Dominic leads an incredible missions movement. Uh, missions.me is their organization, but they have something that is exciting that's happening called One Nation One Day. Uh, our church has been a part of this. If you are a leader out there and you have any heart for missions or charities, you need to connect with this guy. This guy is leading the charge with that. So Dominic, tell them a little bit about who you are and just your story. Absolutely. Well, Paul, thank you so much for the honor to be a part of this episode. And I'll say one thing, I admire you about you so much. We've been friends for 15 years now, probably. And no matter what season of life or leadership or platform God's given you, you remain the same person. So humble, so authentic, so genuine, and it's an incredible honor to be here at Victory Thank you, and man. to be on the episode today. Well, the vision of One Nation One Day is to unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations, of entire nations. I think if we were to be honest, we'd have to admit that the world is yet to see the power of a united church. If you look back at church history, we can, we can see generations of the church dividing. For centuries, the body of Christ has been dividing. And I believe that Christ's prayer, that the church would be one, is a prayer the Father's going to answer. It took three words uh, to raise a man from the dead, but it took seven words for Christ to pray for unity. And the prayer for resurrection was answered instant instantaneously, and the prayer for unity is still being answered. And if we look at the life of Billy Graham, I think one of the greatest graces and mantles on his life was the ability to unite. People were around the same table that would have never sat around the same table because they could come around the idea of Christ and him crucified and really mm. fulfilling and finishing the Great Commission. And I think that's one of the missing components right now in the earth. Can we bring the body of Christ together for what's nearest to the heart of God? And that's the salvation and transformation of entire nations. Yeah, I love it. And you guys are doing it. Mm -hmm. um, we went with you. The first one was in Honduras, mm -hmm. 2013. Yep. Yeah, 2013. Um, tell them a little bit about the results of how many churches were involved, what we actually did, mm -hmm. what does this One Nation, One Day mm -hmm. thing do, and how did your organization... Mm -hmm. Uh, missions.me coordinate this and pull it off i i think the one nation one day moment or excuse me movement was born in in president lobo sosa's office when i was 26 years old in the fall of 2011 i said mr president i know the nation's in pain unemployment president over. of honduras president of honduras exactly somehow you had this meeting with the yes. president of honduras exactly. as a 20 26 26 year old yeah. guy with a vision and a dream exactly. to win nations to christ exactly and so you're there in the office mm. and, and what happens i was there with uh, president lobo said mr president i know the nation's in pain unemployment's over 40 percent they're calling this the world's murder capital because there's the highest homicide rate per capita than in any other nation outside of a war zone but what if in part Isaiah was speaking to this moment when in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8, he asked the question, can a nation be saved in one day? Mm. And essentially after that really supernatural, miraculous time with the president, he committed to call One Nation One Day an official national holiday. He passed legislation through his Congress uh, that opened up every public high school in the nation to our global missions teams gave us the 18 largest stadiums across the entire nation at no cost to us, and then open up the borders and ports and allow us to ship container loads of humanitarian aid and books. And when we had that supernatural breakthrough moment with President Loeb, I really felt like God's hand was on it. And up until that point, we'd never taken more than 200 missionaries with us on a single trip. But 
the body of Christ across the world began to respond, and we saw 2,000 missionaries from all over the earth descend upon the nation of Honduras. All the commercial airlines were maxed, and we had to run our own 747. We staged the team in Miami, had a launch event at the Fillmore Theater in South Beach, and then boarded the, boarded the 747 on three back-to-back trips from Miami to San Pedro Sula. And what happened that week was breathtaking. We were able to be in every high school in the entire nation, fill all 18 stadiums in the same day, and 1.1 million people were reached face-to-face with the gospel. And the front page of all the Honduran newspapers the next morning said these words, we have a new Honduras. That's amazing. Hmm. That's amazing. Hmm. Um, tell them a little bit about your, your family. You grew up in a pastor's home. Yes. Uh, your parents are pastors. You met hmm. your wife. Where and how? And how many kids do you have now? Yeah, we, uh, I grew up a pastor's home in southeastern Michigan, and my dad actually has Tulsa roots. He graduated at a Bible college down the street and Come actually on, served. T-Town. T-Town. Served in the children's ministry here at Victory. I don't know if you know that I did fact. not know that. That's a fun fact. Um, but he I might have been uh, helping me out when I was a little bit. He might have straight up. <laughs> uh, four years, I was at ORU and was single all four years. And God blessed me big time. A year later, I met my wife, Lindsay, at a conference in Hawaii, which is an amazing place to meet somebody. And we got to know each other in that beautiful paradise. And seven days later, she flew home to Kansas City. She's a pastor's daughter as well. And I flew home to Michigan. We dated long distance for a year, engaged for a year, and we've been married for a decade. Two boys. Mason is six. Jude is three. We're having a blast. Come on. You're done with kids? We'll see. You'll we'll see. see. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a there's, doc later there's down a, the road. There's a desire for a third. Let me put it <laughs> to you that way. So you, while you've been building your family, you've been pursuing this vision. Hmm. Uh, this podcast, just so you know, I know you, know, you, you are involved in leadership ways leading mm. your your missions ministry and what we say on this podcast is everyone's a leader mm. everyone's leading someone for sure everyone's influencing someone and how can we get better at leading mm. uh, craig rochelle is notorious for the the quote if the leader gets better everyone gets better mm. so the leader of an organization the health of that leader helps the whole organization get mm. healthy stronger accomplish their goals so talk a little bit about leading your family leading the team of volunteers staff interns as you have begun to birth this vision in your heart for One Nation, One Day, now you've done Honduras, you've done Nicaragua, um, and now you're getting ready for Peru in 2019. Mm. It's our third nation that we'll be a part of with mm. you. You've done Dominican Republic as well. Exactly. I, mm. So you've done yeah. three of these. Three down, and then Peru's in front of us. Peru's in front of us. Mm. So talk a little bit about just leadership, Dominic, mm. and what you've learned in leading all of these things and your family and mm. yourself. Mm. I definitely echo John Maxwell's famous line, everything rises and falls on leadership. I think it is the single greatest uh, attribute we need to focus in on and lean in on. And I think even in the last year, um, John Maxwell's law of the lid, how you as the leader of the organization ultimately become the lid of your organization has been really resonating. As God begins to expand us and take us to new levels, you begin to immediately realize that if you're going to take the team where they've never gone, you're going to personally and individually have to go somewhere you've never gone. Yeah. So it's definitely been a, a season of, of leaning into personal growth and personal development. But I think, um, I think one of the most significant aspects to our culture at missions.me that I think has helped help us to have a healthy leadership environment is a culture of honor and a culture of humility. 
We have some world-class team members in our ministry, men who I believe have the capacity to lead their own movements, to lead their own organizations. And yet we've all said, instead of uh, doing something independently, let's do something collectively. And, you know, when you choose to partner, everybody gives something up to gain something that you could never achieve on your own. Mm, that's and, really good. And we've all said the only way for type A personalities to coexist, the only way for high capacity, high functioning individuals to coexist is there's going to have to be an extreme culture of humility and honor. And that's something I think we've been driving towards as an organization. And, and I have such respect for the men that I lead the organization with because they've they've really fought for that culture and i think it's it's something that's resonated now throughout every layer of the organization and i think it's impossible to to lead people well if you don't have that honor in all directions honor up all honor down and honor uh, all around all bes beside you and and i think that's something we've been striving for as an organization within our organization and also as we're leading global ministries that are a part of this movement as well yeah you know, I think that's really good. The whole idea of type A personalities working mm. together, it's, mm. it's big. It's mm. big in ministry. It's big in business. Um, because when you hire someone who's gifted and talented, you also hire someone who's going to challenge you mm. and push back. For sure. And as a leader, I think that security in mm. yourself and not being threatened by other great leaders beside mm. you is important mm. to continue to take the lid off your leadership. Um, I think that's, you know, you hit on something. I know the guys that work for you, and I could totally see what you're saying, that, that you have guys working with you and for you that could lead their own movement, but they've chosen, because of your leadership, to come under the vision that you have, and you've presented it as, this isn't Dominic's vision. Hmm. This is our vision. Absolutely. You've created that collective, hmm. like, we're all in this together. Hmm. So maybe share just one lesson you've mm. learned in, in leadership where mm. you go, I missed it there, mm. and I had to learn how to bounce back from mm. that. Mm. Yeah, I think um, leadership fail. Let me try to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't moment. really have any, so I got to dig deep here. Yeah, no, no, there's, <laughs> I have to pick. <laughs> you gotta pick. Which one should I choose yeah. from? Um, I, think the, um, I think the journey of of growing personally obviously has been has been the biggest challenge for me i think whenever you you stop feeding yourself uh and you stop growing yourself you you really put a lid on mm. on your own personal leadership and and on your ability to influence and take people on a journey um i think leading on empty i i, I guess would probably be the biggest thing where you've you're giving out and giving out and giving out, and you're not taking the time to fill mm. back up. You're not taking the time to grow yourself. I'd say was one of the biggest things, and you can get so consumed with what you're building, so consumed with the mission you're looking to achieve that you you stop um, you stop leaning in yourself and growing yourself. And mm. I think I think over the last 18 months, that's been the biggest thing. I've realized if we're going to go to where we've never gone. I'm going to have to grow and I'm going to have to lean in and expand per my personal capacity. So, so good. I think I'd, I'd say leading, leading out empty and not, and forsaking personal development would be one of the things that I've had to learn the hard way on. 
Thank you for an honest answer. For sure. Uh, I feel like, you know, that question gets asked to a lot of people and leaders pivot that question hmm. and like, uh, I try too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I work too hard. I'm just too good I'm of a just leader. Too committed. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for giving an honest answer. For I think sure. that's, that's really good. And hmm. I think all of us can find ourselves at that place. Hmm. In fact, I was talking with a world renowned leader recently hmm. uh, that if I was to say their name, everyone would know this person. Hmm. And they said the exact same thing. They hmm. said, my organization was growing, hmm. but plateauing hmm. at the growth hmm. because somewhere inside I had just turned off the eagerness to go out and learn more hmm. and grow more. Hmm. And somewhere I just kind of settled with like, not that I'm not working, but I'm working. Hmm. I'm just not pushing myself to do hmm. and to receive more. Hmm. And so I think all of us have been there. I mean, I, I get there too where um, I just get, you get tired. Hmm. You get tired and you get uh, the pressure of life and family and children and ministry. And anyone out there who's leading a, a ministry um, and raising a family can relate to this. I feel like when we're in college, hmm. we don't have, like, if you're making this excuse in college and you're hmm. single, Bro, come on. You can you can seriously overcome that. But For if sure. you're if you're married and you're having kids and you're running things, it is so easy to unintentionally Completely. coast hmm. and then have to challenge yourself. Okay, I got to pick I got to pick something back up. For sure. Got to get a book, a class. I got to challenge myself to grow again. So, thank you for sharing that. Um maybe share just real quickly like where you're at today. Um now we're going in, you're going to Peru. Hmm. Our church is going to be a part of it. Hmm. What is the scale that mm. God has now taken mm. the dream in your heart to? Mm. Uh, by the way, you also have a book out, and you're finishing your second book. Yeah. Um, talk about just the scale of where God has taken mm. the ministry, the dream, the leadership mm. that he's placed on you sure. uh, today. Mm. Thank you, Paul. The, it's a pretty sobering moment for us right now. I think in the first three One Nation, One Days, we, we were pioneering a new model for capturing the attention of entire nation for discipling entire nations. At missions.me, we don't define the Great Commission as simply a mobilization mandate. We don't believe the Great Commission was given simply so that the church would go or that the church would grow, but so that the church would lead. Uh, it's a leadership mandate for us. When Jesus said, disciple nations, implicit in that command was that we must lead nations. If I'm going to take an individual on a discipleship journey, I have to commit to lead that person and in exactly the same way, if I'm going to disciple an entire nation, I have to actually lead an entire nation. And the vehicle we believe that God's ordained to lead nations, to disciple nations, is the local church. And so what One Nation One Day does at its core is it repositions the church to leadership, to its rightful place of leadership. And so every aspect of One Nation One Day, before, during, and after, is designed to elevate the local church in a nation, to create a platform for a church in a nation. I think one of the great injustices and in missions over the last several years is international organizations come into a country, ask the local churches to build a platform for their ministry, and then they leave. And the vehicle God's ordained to sustain the transformation is that church. So admissions that mean it with one nation one day, we don't advertise who's going to be preaching in stadiums. We don't advertise bands, although we have well-known speakers and well-known bands. Our stadium outreaches are produced by the local churches in that nation, and then the local church gets to stand on in that platform with us. And as we approach a nation like Peru, uh, a nation of 30 million people, we recognize 
we're going to have to have a bigger, more substantive team than ever before. So our largest team was 2,500. For Peru, we're recruiting a team of 5,000 missionaries across the globe. Wow. And what's really, really exciting, Paul, is for the first time, because of this conviction and philosophy that the church must lead, we're also enlisting 5,000 Peruvian team members. That's awesome. So our teams will be mixed, half international global missionaries and half Peruvian team members. And these Peruvians will be doing the altar calls in their own high schools. These Peruvians will be leading church services. These Peruvians will be on the street corners with our teams. So they're not just translators. They're not just administrators or facilitators. They are registering as missionaries. They're mm. actually paying uh, to be on the missions trip. Mm. So it's pretty, pretty remarkable uh, dream. It's coming to pass before our eyes. 10,000 missionaries divided across the entire nation. And our dream is that 5 million people will call in the name of Jesus through the campaign. That's awesome. We want to see 5 That's million awesome. people move out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so we're working with the Peruvian church at a pretty extraordinary level to see this dream uh, come to pass, to see the entire nation of Peru be able to hear the gospel, respond to the gospel, and then start a discipleship journey. And we're thrilled about it. Come on, man. I love it. Um, you know, first off, I think most people out there would understand what missions is, but there may be someone out there that doesn't know. What, what do you mm. mean by missions? What mm. is a missions trip? Mm. What's a missions organization? Mm. What does that mean? Like, what do we do besides mm. get up on a stage and preach mm. about Jesus? What does that look like? Because we have a philosophy of ministry that the Great Commission is a leadership mandate, we believe that the church needs to be impacting and leading every sphere of society. So one, what One Nation One Day does is it takes willing people across the world, um, so local churches from across the world, and basically gives them an opportunity to speak into and impact every sphere of a country. So people are coming in the medical profession, and they'll be serving medically. People are coming in a brand new track we have at One Nation One Day called our sports and athletic missionaries, and they'll be doing baseball and soccer and, and ministering through sports. We have a uh, track called Influencers, and they'll be coming and speaking to university professors and, and high school teachers. We have ministry team members who will be doing outreaches in high schools and dramas, and we literally have all these specific tracks to enable a, a missionary to come and impact every aspect of an mm -hmm. entire nation. So a missionary for me is just somebody who said yes, somebody who heard the Great Commission when Jesus said, go into all the world and, and make disciples of nations and said yes. And, and uh, as you look at what Jesus said to the church, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It was yeah. all in one sentence. So it was never uh, an assignment on somebody's life, just local. I believe every person, every follower of Jesus actually has a global mandate. I love that. I love that. Um, what we have seen in the past, too, is we, we've always seen a big increase of young people that want to mm. go on missions. Anytime we talk about it, mm. hey, we're going to Peru, we're going to Africa. Mm. There's always a bunch of like teenagers, young adults, yeah. college students want to go. But what I've found is people like over the age of 35, mm. for whatever reason, kind of push mm. themselves out or disqualify mm. themselves. They go, well, it's for teenagers, for, mm. you know, young adults, college students. And what I've been telling them about this upcoming mm. Peru trip is, no, this is for adults as for well. Sure. For anyone who's listening to this podcast out there watching, if you're a Families. pastor, come and be a part of this. Mm. You know, um, 
get connected. We're, mm. We still still need more churches, more pastors, more leaders. Mm. There's a bug flying around mm. here. Mm. If you're listening to this mm. podcast, you can't see it. If you're watching on YouTube, mm. you're definitely seeing the fly. Mm. Um, but don't be distracted. Leadership is all about not being distracted by the fly. Leadership okay. is about unbroken focus. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Except for we probably get a little distracted <laughs> often. For sure. Oh, but anyways, back to the point here. I feel like this is something hmm. for all ages. Hmm. And that's what I've been telling our business guys, our doctors in the church, teachers, coaches, for sure. dads, moms, hey, like, you don't have to come and do a drama. Because in their mind, they think yeah, missions dancing. is like, I got to do a drama. <laughs> exactly. No, this is like, come and do what you do and help us reach the nation. Totally. It, it's pretty unique with One Nation One Day. Same thing with us. For the last 12 or 13 years, we've been leading missions trips, and it was in the early years, primarily teenagers and 20-somethings. Our last One Nation One Day, 40% of the team was over the age of 40. Come on, that's awesome. So it's definitely, we're seeing the entire body of Christ respond. Every Engaging all generations. We have, a, we have a lot of retirees come, and they absolutely love it. That's great. I think one thing about One Nation One Day they appreciate is you're not sleeping on the floor. Uh, yeah. your, your hotel's been inspected and uh, approved, and uh, we believe you can. You know, do that if you have to, but um, we we like to take really good care of our teams, and so their the accommodations are good, and we get to save our energy for the actual ministry output, which is awesome. But it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Okay, so one last uh, word today for those that are watching, listening to this podcast. Uh, what would you like to leave people with mm. today? Everyone out there that's aspiring to grow mm. in in their leadership, aspiring to be who God's called them to be, do what God's called them to do. What would Dominic Rousseau leave these guys with today? Yeah, I would just say, um, I believe the language of the Holy Spirit is dreams and visions. And I believe that um, as you lean into God, he begins to blueprint your heart with a picture of your future. And I would say it's incumbent upon us as the leader to feed the dream and the vision that God begins to seed our hearts with. And we can't uh, expect anybody else to feed our dream. We can't expect anybody else to nurture the seed of vision that God's placed in our heart. It's our job to do it. And and what what I challenge you to do is enable that vision, that dream to grow inside of you to such a point where it provokes you to step out and begin to put the practical steps of making the dream a reality into motion. And no matter where you are in your leadership journey, you can start today moving towards the next place that God wants to bring you to. I love it. I love it. Well, guys, you heard it right here from Mm. Dominic Russo. And I just want to say, keep your eyes out for this guy. God's continuing to use him and carry this vision of what he's birthed um, in Dominic's heart and the guys that are working with him really to a powerful future that I think there's going to be more and more churches across denominations Mm. that are going to be joining in with this vision. Um, And so if you want to get more information, you can go to missions.me. That's their website. And uh, you can find out more information about Peru and future trips they're doing and ways you can be a part of that or give towards it. Dominic, thank you for coming today. Thank you, Pastor Paul. It was amazing. Hey, we love you guys. Love you guys. All right. God bless y'all. Your best days are right in front of you.